0: Welcome to the Ginghamsburg podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Let me open this up in a word of prayer. God, you are such an awesome God we thank you for the opportunity to just be in your presence today, worshiping together today. God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that you would prepare the hearts and minds of those who hear my voice today so that they would receive the word that is given to them, not just to build up themselves and improve their lives, but so that they can share it with others as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Tim City Campus. How are you all doing today? Good morning. morning, And hello to those of you worshiping online. My name is Marcy, and I serve here at Gingensburg as the Director of Adult Ministry. Now, what that means is I have the privilege of equipping and empowering leaders to do what Jesus commanded us to do go and make disciples. And you know, I absolutely love what I do. And you know what else I absolutely love? Food. Y'all, I love food. Who else loves food? Okay, I know it wasn't just me. Now I remember when I first started teaching fitness classes, I used to teach 21 classes a week. That's 21 hour long aerobic classes a week. That's a lot of working out. And if I want to be completely honest, the motivation behind teaching that many classes was so I could eat as much as I wanted to without gaining weight. And it worked! Until I got into an accident that pretty much ended my fitness career. I was so depressed and devastated about my injuries and about not being able to work out, which is something that I absolutely love doing, that I ran to food for comfort. Even though I knew how certain foods affected my body, it didn't seem to matter. So whenever I experienced heartache, I ran to food. Whenever I was happy, I ran to food. If you were to look at my bank statements, you would see that most of my money was spent on food. Could it be that I was bowing down to the God of my belly? You see, we all have idols. Now, maybe it's not the golden calf that sits in your front yard kind of idol, although that's not out of the question. But the kind of idols that... Unannounced sneak into our lives and wiggle their way into our hearts. They're what we reach for, our go tos. It starts out really small, but then ends up large and in charge kind of activities or purchases or habits. Could be food, could be money, maybe it's a relationship. What about your phones? I want to invite you to turn your Bibles or your Bible apps to the book of Acts, chapter 17. It's found in the New Testament just past the Gospels. Now, here in the Mars Hill stories, there are so many gods to pledge your allegiance to. But Paul points out the one that truly matters, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. So today, I want us to lean in our focus to our one and true devotion and help us to spread the incarnational presence of Jesus into the spaces and places that we live. So if you're in chapter 17, we see that Paul and Silas are teaching the gospel in Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. So they start out in Thessalonica where they find a Jewish synagogue and they begin preaching the gospel of Christ there. So many Jews were converted, along with quite a few God-fearing Greek men and women. But there were some Jews who were not feeling it, and they became quite angry and jealous. So they formed angry mobs and began rioting the city. So they invaded the home of Jason, who was a new convert, expecting to find Paul and Cyrus hiding there. And when they didn't find them, they drugged Jason and some other believers out to the city officials, and they began shouting, These people have been disturbing the peace throughout the empire, and they have come here, and Jason welcomed them into his home. Every one of them does what is contrary to Caesar by decreeing the name of Jesus King. Now, the believers that were actually hiding Paul and Silas to spare their lives transported them over to Berea. Now, once in Berea, again... Paul and Silas find a Jewish synagogue and begin teaching the gospel of Christ. And again, many Jews became believers, as well as some prominent Greek men and women. But those same pesky Jews from Thessalonica heard about what was going on over in Berea. And so they were fuming. So they went over to Berea to cause some trouble. So the brothers and sisters in Berea escorted Paul to Athens, but Silas, along with Timothy, decided to stay back in Berea, planning to join Paul later. Now, it was while in Athens, waiting on his companions, that Paul began, couldn't help but notice and become quite disturbed by the abundance of idols that flooded the city. So now, staying true and committed to the mission... He found a Jewish synagogue and uh, started interacting with the Jews and the Gentiles there. He also went to the marketplace where he saw some philosophers who, after Paul proclaimed the gospel, were quite intrigued. They wanted to know more. So they took Paul to Mars Hill. Now, Mars Hill was an important meeting place where philosophy, religion, and laws were discussed. It was also a meeting place of the highest court in Greece for civil, criminal, and religious matters. Now, it was here at Mars Hill that Paul gave this sermon, starting in verse 22. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around looking carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an Unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now, I know that idolatry can seem quite primitive and irrelevant, especially to us in 21st century Western civilization. It's hard for us to relate to someone bowing down to a stone image of Zeus or a and calf. Yet, idolatry is one of the top issues discussed in the Bible. Now, what if I told you that the issues that you struggle with, that the discouragement that you're dealing with, that even the lack of purpose that you've been dealing with could potentially be a result of idolatry. So verse 23 says, For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. Yikes. Think about that. So many times we are ignorant of the very things that we worship. Now, modern-day idols, they're anything that we use or go to to fill a void but end up leaving us empty. So many times we can be entrenched with the status quo that we don't even recognize who or what God has taken root in our heart. You see, our heart is the root of what ultimately it is that we worship. We worship. In cardiology, there is a procedure called an arteriogram, which is used to diagnose the health of a a patient's heart. So the cardiologists they insert a dye into the bloodstream, and then they take an x-ray of the arteries, and this x-ray helps to locate any blockages in the bloodstream. So once the doctor finds the blockage, the doctor inserts a stent into the patient's lip and opens up the blood vessel. So many times, our heart problems go undiagnosed because the symptoms don't seem to be relevant to the heart. For instance, a headache or anxiety. Now, I saw some of y'all like, (laughs) don't go diagnosing yourself. (laughs) This is just an example. But the patient, they seek to treat the headache, but the headache never gets better because it's really a heart issue. So until we deal with the heart, the patient will never get better. In Kyle Eidemann's book, which I highly recommend you all check out, "God's at War," Kyle takes readers through an exercise called a spiritual arteriogram. It's a series of questions that only each one of us can individually answer that acts as dye being injected into our spiritual blood veins. So. If you came in, you would have received a paper. If you have that paper and you want to go along with us, that's fine. If you're online, there will be a link to that paper in the chat. But I really want to encourage you to sometime this week, take a look at it in your quiet time and just answer each one of these questions honestly. I have found it so very helpful in my life, and I have went through it, and it has revealed some issues that I didn't really understand or know that was there. So the first question is, What disappoints you? When we feel overwhelmed by disappointment, it's a good sign that something has become more important than it should. What do you complain about the most? What we complain about reveals what really matters to us. What worries you? Whatever wakes you up or keeps you up at night has the potential to be an idol? Where do you make your financial sacrifices? The Bible says where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. And where is your sanctuary? Where do you go when you're hurting? Where do you go for emotional rescue? And then finally, what infuriates you? Maybe your quick temper reveals the oldest idol of them all, the God of me. So again, I want to encourage you, sometime later on this week in your quiet time, to honestly answer those questions for yourself and see if it reveals an idol that has taken root in your heart that we need to thethro. Amen. So status quo for the Athenians was to reach for gods that they made themselves with their own hand gods that had no authority, gods that could never fill their emptiness, gods that didn't have the power to heal the sick, raise the dead, or give them a purpose for their lives. But in today's message, we flip the script and challenge the status quo, and it points us to the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth that does not live in temples built by human hands and is not served by human hands as if he needs anything, Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. This God, the creator of the whole world, including you, is the only God that can truly fill your empty spaces, your lonely heart, your deepest desires for your life, can heal the sick, raise the dead, and give you a purpose for your life. So let's talk phones for a second. Where are my team Apple people? Okay, we got a few. Y'all not that proud. Where my team Android people? Woo, woo! y'all scared? They're like, Oh, what's the? <laughs> you gonna call me? out? I'm not gonna call y'all out. Team Apple people. Team Apple people. If your iPhone breaks, are you going to take it to the Samsung phone a uh, store to get fixed? No. Why not? Like, ooh, they can't fix it. Mm, that's a good one. No one knows better than the creator of the iPhone on how to fix the problem. Now, if that's the case, then why do we run to money, sex, social media, or food when we have a problem instead of running to the maker of our souls, the crafter of our mind, the creator of the world and everything in it? This God doesn't only appear when we come to worship and then leave when we leave. This God is with us at every moment, every day. So we are so used to compartmentalizing our lives as in, this is who I am at church, this is who I am at work, this is who I am with my family, and then this is who I am with my friends. But God lives in and through, lives in and through us every day, everywhere we are. Verse 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. God wants to be invited into every part of our life, weaving it all together like one beautiful tapestry. So how do we invite this extraordinary God into our ordinary lives? It's a good question, right? Who of us would want to wake up tomorrow experiencing the presence of God in every situation, in every interaction, knowing that we are experiencing faith in real time? I know this is something that I'm very passionate about, and maybe you are too. So I wanted to share four practices that I use in my life so that I can be aware of God's presence living in and through me each and every day. The first is the practice of spending time with God. We spend time on things that we care about the most. So it's important for me to prioritize my time with God. And I do this through prayer, devotion, and meditation. Now, here at Gingensburg, we have a tool called the Transformation Journal that can help you do that. If you do not have one, there are some at the exits on your way out. Make sure you grab one. Or you can download the Gingensburg app to receive a digital copy of that. The second is the practice of gratitude. Gratitude helps us feel more connected with God it gives us a fresh perspective on our life and it allows us to see God's blessing in every situation the third is the practice of love love is who god is love helps us to find greater meaning in life 1 corinthians 16:19 reads let all that you do be done in love practicing love helps others to experience christ through you. Let me say that again. This is so important. Practicing love helps others to experience Christ through you. So let's redirect our love for those idols that have taken uh, place in our heart and direct it back to God through loving one another. And then finally is the practice of doing life with others. We are not meant to walk this Jesus life alone. Doing life with others helps us to pour out, demonstrate, and receive the love of Christ to and from one another. I know as a single mom, it's important that I meet weekly with a tribe of other women so that they can pour into me and help build me up and that I can do the same. I can pour into them and help build them up. Now, these practices have helped me to continue to do the work of dethrowing the idols that have taken root in my heart, such as my belly, and help put the ultimate creator and savior, Jesus, in his place. So when I'm disappointed, spending time with God is my sanctuary. Now, rather than complaining about my issues, I practice gratitude. Where my treasures are, that's where my heart is. So I practice love by sharing my resources with those in need, whether it be financially, sharing my food, or just simply being there with them. Now, if you have identified an idol that has taken root in your heart and you would love someone to just walk alongside you as you do the work to identify and to dethrone them, I wanna invite you to scan the QR code on the screen and see if there's a support group available that can help you do the work. Now, in just a bit, we're gonna take communion together. Jesus gifted us a tangible demonstration of his love when he gathered together at the last supper table with his disciples. So I want to invite you, wherever you are, if you're here in this room or if you're online, to open up your hands as we receive God's grace and we come together in confession. Christ our Lord invites everyone to the table who loves him and who earnestly repents of their sin. So God, we confess the sin of idolatry. The idols, the gods that have taken root in our heart. And God, we dethrone them. And we put you, the ultimate creator and savior Jesus in His place. In Jesus name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.